Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. In this episode, traveling to Morocco during the winter time, December, January, and February of this year. Things to do, to look for, and also to prepare and pack. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadeen El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities. Real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like a local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast. If you have listened to our episodes and you listen to the way that it's edited, the sound quality, behind it is the genius, Ted Craig, and he's the producer, and uh, we're having him back in today's episode. Ted, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks very much, Asdian. It's nice to be back. So what do we have for our guests today, Ted? Well, we thought we would take a look at some travel planning to Morocco, especially in the new year, at that time of year. So we're recording this and releasing it too in October of 2022. And if you're thinking of going to Morocco, you know, in the next little while, perhaps just after the uh, the Christmas holidays, then it's a good timing to really uh, think about the type of stuff that, you know, you might need to prepare, do some research and what to expect in Morocco at that time of year. And the reason in part why I'm here is because I might, hopefully, fingers crossed, I might be doing that myself <laughs> with my wife and our two young kids. We're hoping to go to Portugal at some point over the winter. And if we're in Portugal, of course, we're not a huge leap to get over to Morocco, at least maybe for a week or two. And I might ask you about that. What's a good time frame to go? You know, how long should you or how much time should you plan to go? So we'll get into some of that. But in general, I think if you're listening and you're thinking of going and trying to put some plans together, we'll focus on the type of stuff that you should be really planning for. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ted. So what's Morocco like in January and February? It gets a little cold, 
but getting cold is a little bit relative depending on what you're going to be traveling from. So for us, the locals, it does get cold, I would say, single digit in Celsius. Okay. In the mountains, definitely it snows and it gets really, really cold. So if you're planning in trips in the winter, especially during Christmas and the holidays, just make sure that a lot of places, they have restrictions. What kind of restrictions? The kind of restrictions, especially during, I would say, New Year's Eve, many hotels or riads, they want you to stay for more than just one night because of the availability. And it gets really, really busy and packed. So they may ask you for a three-night booking or a four-night booking for that. Even though you may not want to stay for days at a hotel, but that's how they have it set up. Right. When would that come to an end? How long after New Year's? Well, January 1st, everything is back to normal. And that's okay. the slow season, which is January. Now, of course, we've been learning lots about Morocco of the last uh, few months since we started the show. And I know that there's quite a lot of differences between the north, the south, the coast, the mountains. I mean, talking about weather and temperatures in the winter, is there a big difference then between, you know, Tangier towards the north, Marrakesh, and then places further south? Oh, definitely, yes. The temperature really, really changes. If you have been to Morocco, you know that the landscape changes every 45 minutes, every hour. In some places, it's cold, but in some places, it's cold, plus you have the wind chill, and it makes it even colder. So if you're traveling to Morocco, I would say January, even December, January, and February, your packing is different than what we have talked about in you know What to Pack to Morocco episode. So obviously, take a little bit more layers, be comfortable shoes and everything, it's going to rain quite a bit. And also the scenery is different. Just like you said, from the south to the north, if you're doing a north of Morocco tour, you're pretty much still okay. The south changes quite a bit because some areas where it rains and it snows, sometimes the road's closed. So just keep that in consideration. Yeah, It may change your itinerary, so you may need to be a little bit more flexible. Now, do I need to pack differently if I was, let's say I was going to a bit of the north and a bit of the south, do I need to bring different clothes for both or can I expect to just bring kind of, you know, winter type clothes for the whole area? Well, I would say winter type of clothes for the whole area, even though in the south, it's a little bit more colder Mm -hmm. because of the mountains, but you'll be just fine because the warm clothes in the US or, you know, in the West are much, much better than what's available in Morocco. So you'll be good. Well, I mean, I guess that brings it back to, like, it's a different time of year to travel. Anybody who travels off-season, you know, wherever they may go, knows that, expects that. That's partly why you go. You don't have the crowds. The prices are probably better. And so you kind of know that going in. But I guess the fundamental question is, how much can you really expect to see in Morocco? Are things still open? Do you still get a similar experience that you would more when, let's say, there's better weather? Oh, definitely. Everything is still the same, except... The weather is different, except like you said, the crowd is different. For example, when you go to Merzouga or to the desert, the desert in January, February is completely different than July, August and any other month. So when you visit it during the winter time, it feels like it's not the same spot that you have visited. The sand looks different. It feels different. The sky is different. The stars shine brighter in the winter than the summertime. So it's completely different experience. If you get a chance to experience it during the summertime or the spring or the fall, is different than January and February. Hmm. Can you still do any of the desert camping in the winter? 
Oh, definitely, yes. Everything's yeah. still the same. Just like I said, just pack for the season and you'll be good. You'll enjoy it. It's still a lot of fun. It's very cozy, very romantic, very beautiful. Okay. So, yeah, do you find that uh, some places might shut down or have, you know, shorter hours because it's a low season? Not really. Everything stays the same. It's not going to change just because it's a slow season. Everybody's still open. Everybody operates the regular hours. It just, the days are shorter. That's the only difference. And it's a lot colder. So, mm-hmm. And what are the crowds like at that time of year? Do you still get uh, some people traveling? Yes, we do get a lot of people traveling. And also there's a lot of people that love to travel during the winter time versus the summertime. Yeah. So when would you recommend starting to plan a trip to Morocco for that time of year? Does it take more planning? Do you have to do more research or anything like that? If people are thinking right now of going in the new year, what should be some of their first moves to put it together? Well, here's the funny thing. You know, after the pandemic, traveling has changed completely anywhere else. And Morocco is definitely no different. In Morocco, it's still a busy season. I mean, we are in October, almost October 15. And we call for bookings. November is completely booked. So people are still traveling to Morocco. It's still hot destination. So if you're traveling in New Year, this is probably too late because most of the places are already booked. Oh, yeah. And what I have realized also in terms of the booking, a lot of people, they wait until the last minute to make a booking. Mm. Last minute meaning a month and a half or two months. You really need to do that a little bit longer if you could, if your time allows it. I would say three months just to be on the safe side, Ted. Okay. Huh. Well, I'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. If we go, I mean, it's not going to be the day before we decide or anything, but it yeah. could be, you know, within, if it's within, say, three weeks and we're like, you know what? I think we have time, we've got money and it works out. Let's go to Morocco. We're in Portugal. Let's go hop over to Morocco. Is it too late? Would that be too late? What could we expect? Okay. Three weeks, you're cutting it closed. So the good <laughs> news, we communicate. So the good news, I will know before you go. So we can set it up a little bit with as much ahead of time as we can. Now, the good news, it's a slow season. There's quite a bit of availability in terms of Riyadh, hotels, everything. Mm-hmm. So that's the only exception that I would make and say, okay, three weeks, it's still okay, even though it's still tight on the regular season. Now, what if I'm not too picky, especially being last minute like that? You know, if I'm not fixed on staying in a specific particular Riyadh in Marrakesh, let's say, but just getting something, and would I still be okay to book at the last minute? You'll still be okay, but this is how we do it. It's a little different when we think, let's say when we get an itinerary, we look at the activities that you're going to be doing. We look at where everything is located and positioned in the city. And we try to put you on a Riyadh that it's really good quality. It's not too expensive and it's not too cheap. They have good service, good experiences. So that way, everything that we want to do, it's close to each other. Mm-hmm. So versus looking for a place for you to stay, a Riyadh that it's 30 minutes or 45 minute drive from the square, which is the hub, the center of Marrakesh, we're losing time. And time is precious. When you go to Morocco, you go in for a week or eight days and 10 days. Yeah, We want to save as much as we can. 15 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here. It adds up. So that's why when we book a Riyadh for you, of course, we ask for your permission. And if you don't like it, the first choice or second, we can always change it. And that's what I would recommend. So you would choose a place, suggest it to me as the client, let's say, and ask if it's good for me. Do I want to stay there and go ahead with the booking? Yes. And that's how we do. When we build itinerary, we give you the choices. 
let's say invest this is the Riyadh that you're going to be staying in obviously with their website their pictures and everything and then if you see it and it's if it's a good fit then we keep it and say hey you know what i don't like it or this and then we change it we send you more options so mm-hmm. everything we do is 100% approved by you mm-hmm. what would happen if now we're there we get to a place and for whatever reason we don't like it it wasn't what we expected or something's changed etc like is there how would you manage changing once we're actually there if you don't really like it i will see if we can put you somewhere else close by and that's how we solve that issue luckily we haven't had this before but yeah. if it happens that's the way that we'll do it especially with, if it's a big city there's a lot of availabilities like marrakesh fas there's plenty of places to stay right well that's good yeah i guess one of my fundamental questions really is i mean i do kind of have this attitude and maybe some listeners do too especially if say you're already in europe and it's a relatively quick easy flight from spain portugal france you know over to morocco and you're thinking hey Let's hop over there for a quick visit. How minimum a time should you really plan to go and stay to really do something? Now, I wouldn't expect to see the whole country or anything like that. Like maybe I'll just go to a couple of places, but at least get a taste of it and, and be able to see and do something. So what's kind of a minimum time I should at least expect to go? That's a really good question, Ted. And I actually have gotten a lot of requests and emails about the same situation. I would recommend three days. A lot of people, they come through the ferry. And like you said, just a quick flight from Europe. I would say just stay on the north side. Three days is perfect. You can see Tangier, you can see Fes, you can do Shoshawan. You can do those cities, not to the extensive, but at least you still have really, really good experience in three days. So that's what I would recommend. Then we build you a small itinerary and we do some activities in it. And hopefully you like it when you approve it and we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about taking the ferry. You should uh, be fun to do an episode about that, at least in part, you know, the experience of getting there by, by boat. That'd be oh, cool. Definitely. And I love the episode we did not too long ago about your guest who went from Tangier over the mountains to Tetuan. Yes. So now that's on my list too. It sounds like a beautiful city with the mountains back. Oh my and gosh, it is. And it's pretty close together. And then from there, Chef Shawan isn't too far either. So you, I can see you're starting to piece together a bit of an itinerary. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. That's why three days it really, really makes sense. It's very short. It's very condensed. There's a lot of things to do and see in those three days. And you go back to Europe or the US and whatever your final destination is. But three days, you really get to see a little bit, not much, but at least you have a feel. So just in case next time when you have a little bit more time, you can explore even more. Now, how far is it from, say, Chef Shawan to Fez? I would say it's about three and a half hours or so. I'll give you an example. Hmm. If you're in Fez and doing those three days, Fez should be your base if you're flying from Europe. So when you're in Fez, you can do day trips. You can do day trip to Tangier, to Asila, to Chitwan, to other cities, neighboring cities. Now, even that far, like Fez to Tangier, that's got to be a few hours. Yeah, but it's a day trip. Okay. You plan it right. There's a lot of things to see in Tangier. So you get to see Tangier without spending the night. You go back to your hub, which is in Fes. And then the next day, Meknes is right next to you. It's your neighbor. Then you do Volubilis. It'll mm. take you a couple hours as well. Then with the drive, you do Shifshawan. You definitely get to see the sunset at the Spanish mosque. Then you spend the night at one of those really nice riyads. Then the next day, you go back to Fes. And it depends. You want to add another day in Shifshawan, you can. Now, that way, it doesn't feel like you have driven too much. And you just take it easy, slow down, and enjoy the moment. And that's the way that I would do it. 
Nice. And that's part of it too, because I've really taken to slow travel <laughs> to an extent, especially with the kids in tow, because it's hard to move around every day, you know, and we all get tired Absolutely. and the kids like routine and our kids are still pretty young. So, I mean, this is part of it why I wouldn't expect to cover a lot of territory or simply see a lot of things, especially in a short period of time. That's just the nature of it is that we stay in one, maybe two places, do some little day trips and probably have days at Fez, big example, or, you know, Marrakesh where we're just going to stay there and yeah. take it easy and have a quieter day. You really have to plan that when you're traveling with kids. And that reminds me too, one of these days soon, we're going to do an episode about travel in Morocco with kids, family travel, because that'll be really interesting too. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. I want to ask you, can you fly directly to Fez from places in Europe? Do you have to go through Casablanca first? No, you don't have to go to Casablanca. FAS has its own international airport. It's really okay. nice. And also you can do the same thing in Tangier. It just depends on your itinerary, the cities that you're interested in seeing, the activities and things that you're interested in doing. You can fly to FAS. We do pickups. We have started the tour from FAS. We have started the tour from Tangier. We start a tour from anywhere you're going to be. That would be your first contact in Morocco. Casablanca, it's because it's popular. It's the biggest city, the biggest airport. And that's why we do, I would say, 90% of the tours from Casablanca. Then the second city is Marrakesh, obviously. Then the third is really fast. Then we have Tangier. So we can start a tour from any city. Like you said, sometimes you come in, you have a few days you want to spend just by yourself, your friend and family and the kids and do things on your own. Then you book a tour with us and say, hey, I'm in Fas. I want to go to the desert for the next five days. Can you pick me up from Fas? Then we coordinate it. We pick you up from the Riyadh and then we go start doing the tour. Nice. I know Destination Morocco, the travel company, you're all about the flexibility, right? And giving people yes. lots of options. So it's good to keep in mind. Yes. And speaking of, say, slow travel or staying in one place, I follow uh, Riyadh Zara in Asawira. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Who was back in episode seven. If you haven't listened to that, check it out because you really get a nice taste of uh, Sawira on the coast there. But he posted a thing where I think they have a special or something like a long-term price, basically, for people who want to settle in Morocco for a few weeks, you know, use that as like their home base. And maybe they can work remotely, of course, or work online. And it gives you a nice option of a place to stay and a beautiful place, too. Yes. I love Xavier. I actually just talked to me today and yesterday. So I always stay in contact. And that's the thing that we do. You know, we have really, really good network. It's just not one person does everything. There's a lot of people behind me that do amazing work and they deserve the credit for it. And Xavier is definitely one of them. Yeah. So I guess the main thing to get across is that if I'm thinking of traveling to Morocco, January, February, perhaps early March, I may know that it's colder, it's kind of lower season. You know, I know that going in, but I just want to be sure that it's still a smart time. It's worth traveling because if you go different times of the year, more things might be open or more things might be possible. And I know that, I understand that. But if that's my chance to go, I want to know just that it's worth going that time of year, right? It is. It definitely is. And keep in mind, if I say that it's cold for me, it's really a relative because, <laughs> you know, 60 degrees Fahrenheit is cold for me, but for somebody else, that's summertime. So that, that's why a lot of people travel to Morocco at the time, because in their country, it's really, really cold. So when they go to Morocco and I see them wearing shorts and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, we're, as I say, we'll keep our fingers crossed and hopefully it'll work out. I mean, mostly because it's a chance to go. I, I definitely want to go at some point. But if we are in you know, Europe and Portugal, we'll certainly do it if we can. 
escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. Yeah, and in your case, what I would do, either stay in Fez and do those day trips or come to Marrakech. And I would recommend Marrakech because there's a lot of things you can do in Marrakech. You can have full day seeing things without leaving the city, without getting really bored, especially for the kids. I think the kids will really, really like Marrakech. It's a hub city. It's a happening city. And it's a lot of fun. Would they feel safe there, do you think? Would they feel comfortable or might they feel overwhelmed? No, they'll feel safe. They'll feel comfortable. It's a little different, definitely a little different culture, a little different everything. And there's a lot of places for kids as well. Good. Well, as I say, yeah, we'll talk some more about that coming up soon and uh, with some family-focused episodes. And uh, I know we've got one coming up to learn about Casablanca some more. I'm very interested in that. Yes. The Casablanca episode, this is why I love being small. In the tours, one of the biggest changes we made in building our itineraries, in setting up tours, is having a tour leader throughout the experience. What that gives us is more of a control over how everything goes in the most positive way. In the last few tours we've had, there's a special tour guide in Casablanca. He's an amazing gentleman, very nice, very humble, very modest, and he does the tour in Casablanca. So basically, Casablanca is the only mosque that it's open for non-Muslim to go inside and visit. If you don't want to go inside, there's still plenty of things to see outside. The structure is just magnificent. Yeah, I'd really like to see that. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful, especially, you know, the sunset and anyways. So when you go, you hire a tour guide to go with you inside the mosque and give you a site visit. Normally it costs about $15, which is definitely worth it. This gentleman that we're working with, his name is Khalil Najjari, and he's partially blind or almost blind. So when he gives the tours, he's with his brother. And his brother basically guides them and walks them from spot to spot inside the mosque. It's fascinating. So that $15 really gets split between the two brothers, and they are supporting two different families. The way that he gives the tour, the way that he speaks and everything in between. I mean, he'll ask his brother to go to a specific spot in the mosque and he'll stand. Then he'll point with his hand and say, you see those mosaic, you see that marble. And the guests are just, how could he do that? They they get kind of freaked out. And then he'll start speaking. He'll start explaining everything. He's going to be our tour guide basically for Casablanca. Now, if you're going on your own by yourself, you can still use him. You can still get in touch with him. I will leave his information and we're going to have him on one of the next episodes. I also want to be doing some podcast episodes in Morocco when I travel to Morocco, probably at some point before the end of the year. And I'm going to go see him and we're going to do some episodes, him and I. So that's something that is going to be coming up. 
Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing his voice and his stories. Yes, me too. And we haven't really focused on it much yet. We haven't done a dedicated episode on Casablanca, so... Yes, and the reason is because, truthfully, it's very difficult to find somebody. So just to give you a perspective of the challenges that we run into, me and Ted, in terms of doing an episode in Morocco, we have a technology issue, especially internet and connecting issues. So hopefully when I go to Morocco, I'll have few set up so I can go and do maybe five, do maybe 10 episodes in a few days and come back with that content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I feel like, I don't know if we really set out to do this, but there's not a lot of podcasts, of course, about Morocco or even just people from Morocco, you know? So we're kind of like pushing the boundaries here a bit. I find that we're often introducing the concept and especially how to be on a podcast and how to do the recording to people who are there, right? Yes. It's part of the challenge for sure, but it's very rewarding when we get people. And I love hearing the voices of real authentic people that are actually there on the ground, telling their stories, describing what they do. That's what makes this whole thing so special. I completely agree. And just to give people some numbers, last time I checked, I think we are on 51 or 55 different countries. And in terms of the cities that people listen to, I think it's 800 cities. So the audience is quite spread out. It's just amazing. When I look at the numbers, I'm very surprised in the most positive way. And I know I agree with you, Ted, because this is a very small niche. It amazes me that we have this type of audience and we're very grateful. And I know a lot of people don't book us, but they still go to Morocco. And I'm very happy to hear that the podcast has helped them one way or another, especially the scam episode. Sure. Well, that brings up a good point then, maybe just to wrap it up. So why should people book with Destination Morocco in particular? Well, people should book with us because, you know, we are a small business. It's a family-owned business. There's me, my wife, my son, Emran, which uh, the audience, thank you for all your support. My goodness. I got so many emails. I got so many text messages, how cute he was. And I show it to him. He just laughs and giggles. He loves it. So we are different because we're small. We are different because we know you. We feel you. We're here for you. Without the client, we don't exist. There's no destination Morocco without everybody that booked with us. And the other thing is, we are eager to share our culture. We are Berbers. The team behind me, 90% are Berbers from different parts of Morocco, the north, the south, the desert. They're all different languages. And we get along so well. We work together so well. What makes us different is the love that we share for Morocco. And we want to share it with you. Morocco is a beautiful country. Morocco is a very hospitable country. The people of Morocco are amazing. When you come and visit us, there's a lot of things we do that it's not an itinerary. And we don't want to say it in the itinerary. Yeah. We don't tell you that it's in but we keep it because we want it to be a surprise for you. <laughs> and that's what makes us different. You know, it's funny. We just did Pablo and Harmony, and he sent me a text. He did part of his tour with us, and the rest of it he did on his own. He's having an amazing time. He's about to finish his tour and come back to Canada. And he said mm -hmm. on the text, I felt, we felt like we were your guest versus we were travelers or tourists. And that really resonated with me because... That's our goal because we want you to feel as our guest. In our culture, when you call somebody to come to your house, you give them the best of everything you have. That's what we really try to do. And also we support other small businesses that are either related to me or other small businesses that we know them. We want to share our Berber culture with you. We want to share 
our hospitality with you. And that's what really makes us different. When we build an itinerary, we don't even think about the price. We think about the activities. We think about what you're going to like, the things that is going to be a good fit for you in fast. Are you going to go to church? You want to go to synagogue? You want to go you know, to the mosque? Whatever you want to go, whatever you want to see, whatever you want to visit. If it's a cooking class, if it's a henna class, if it's a mini Moroccan wedding, all type of activities. Well, we've learned a lot about you and your company and the things that you do and offer. And hey, it's fun for me. It's a pleasure for me to be a part of it too. So let's keep getting them out. You know, Ted, um, I've said this to you many times. I can't really thank you enough for everything you do. Thank you for pushing me. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for being behind me, for being patient with me. Uh, The podcast would not happen without you. (laughs) So I know I've said this to you many times, but that's exactly how I feel. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure. I'm just really glad that we're doing it and we're getting this information out there, helping people out and learning about your country. It's it's why I'm here. I, I mean, I, my background's travel, and now I've kind of put it together with podcasting too, which is fun. Yes. But that's it's it. I love learning about other cultures and countries and people. So yeah, this is what we're here for. Now, question please, Ted. What's your podcast about? Can you tell a little bit more about podcasts? Sure. And, and also people, if somebody is looking for somebody to manage their podcast, just give yourself a little bit of a plug, please. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, I have a podcast. It's called Travel Podcast the World. And what I do is interview other travel podcasters and travel theme podcasters to introduce them to a wider audience, to learn about their show, their story, what brought them to starting their show, the things they've learned, the things they talk about. So, of course, I will get you as the in on that, my show, before too long. It's fun because I get to meet all these people and help them out, give them that profile. And me and all of our listeners, you know, we're learning about some of the technique and how to plan, how to set up your tech and all this to help people get it out there. Because a big part of the motivation for me, I found over the years getting into podcasting, for sure, there are travel podcasts out there. They're not terribly well organized in a sense. There's not kind of a central database. There's not a lot of people who talk about how to do it, how to do it well, the type of opportunities and creative projects, you know, that you can do with audio, the audio format. So I realized it was a bit of an opening. It was something to explore and learn more about course, share that with an audience to share that with people. So that's what led me to start this show, which was around the same time you started your shows earlier this year. That keeps me busy. And then when in terms of my podcast production, I try to find people who work in the travel industry, travel professionals, business owners like yourself, two operators, travel agents, maybe, and even um, say digital nomads and people who, you know, have a blog or YouTube channel or anything like that, but they want to branch into the audio format because they have other stories to tell. They want to have the time to explain what they do or the topic, the thing that they focus on. And you just can't do that as easily on something like YouTube because of the short attention span, right? I mean, people last for a few seconds often and blogging, well, it depends if you like writing and not everybody wants to read a long blog. I mean, you do find the audience that is interested in audio, in podcasting, but they're certainly out there. And so if you have a travel theme business like yourself, then a podcast is a great way to explain what you do, introduce yourself, talk about interesting topics, share your offers, and make that connection really with the audience too. Lots of potential, and I'm always happy to chat with anybody who wants to learn more. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Thanks. So yeah, it's been fun being here and uh, I'm sure I'll be back again at some point. And oh, definitely. Yes. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Mi casa es tu casa. <laughs> <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. 
our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then. You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.